This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com forward slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com forward slash B-E. This is the Authority Podcast, where we talk with people who are the authority on their subjects. I am the creator, Jethro Jones. Join us as we discuss a wide range of topics from education to sociology to high performance and anything in between. We are a proud member of the B Podcast Network. You can find more of our shows at bpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to the Authority Podcast. I am Jethro Jones. Today I'm excited to interview Brig Lane. He is a former principal of Fruta Middle School in Colorado, and he has over 20 years of experience in education. He has been an assistant principal and has taught at the middle and high school levels in inner city, suburban, and rural schools. He has also been an adjunct professor at Colorado Christian University. As a teacher, Brig learned the power of the PLC process firsthand as his math team grew students more than any other team in any grade in any tested subject in his 22,000 student school district. Education is Brig's second career following his successful service as an officer in the United States Coast Guard, having attained the rank of Lieutenant Commander. He graduated with honors from the United States Coast Guard Academy with a bachelor's degree in civil engineering and served as an officer for many years on humanitarian missions across the nation. He was selected as Troops to Teachers recipient, has a master's degree in business administration, and a master's degree in educational leadership from Colorado Mesa University. And we are here to talk about his book, Singletons in a PLC at Work, Navigating On-Ramps to Meaningful Collaboration. Greg, welcome to the Authority Podcast. Great to have you here. Oh, it's my honor to be on the podcast with you. And I, I know it seems like you're approaching episode 500. And I was just hoping perhaps, maybe, <sighs> maybe I could squeeze in. 
Well, this is the exciting thing that because of uh, the success of Transformative Principle, I've actually created multiple new podcasts, uh, one of which is this one called The Authority Podcast. And this interview is probably going to go out on Transformative Principle as well um, because it's good and I want to make sure, make sure people hear what you're talking about. But this is uh, actually episode six of this new podcast, and I have several others that are part of the B Podcast Network, Resilient Schools, all about trauma-informed practices, uh, Cybertraps podcast about tech and school, the Authority podcast interviews with book authors, and the good old faithful one, Transformative Principle, plus a couple other exciting new podcasts that are going to be coming out as well. So uh, I'm just a nerd. I love podcasting big, so <laughs> that's how it goes. Well, I'll, I'm just honored to be on any of them, and I'm and it's fun to be here on on this podcast with you today, wherever it lands. Yeah, <laughs> one hits the hits the principals and teachers out there. Yeah, well, uh, this will be good. So we're going to be talking about uh, singletons and PLCs, and this is something that anybody who's been a principal or a singleton teacher um, has experienced some level of frustration with this, and something that. The original work of Dufour did, quite honestly, a very poor job of addressing, and there were not many resources to support. So why don't you start by talking first about what singletons are so that we can understand that aspect first. Yeah, thanks. It, really, what it, what it boils down to is it's a teacher in a school who doesn't have a natural collaborative partner. So for instance, if you have two third grade teachers in an elementary school, neither of those are singletons. But if you're a small school in a very rural area, you might have one third grade teacher, in which case that teacher is a singleton. Every school has singletons, even large comprehensive high schools. You maybe have one band teacher or one CTE teacher or one computer apps teacher. And so those teachers being in every school, they, they typically just don't have someone to collaborate with that makes sense. So that's who we're really targeting with the book that we wrote. And so the idea here is that this book will give them an, an opportunity to find collaborators uh, with them. And, and I, I, one thing that I like that I want to dive right into is that you have three different on-ramps for singletons and how they can get involved and, and partner with others. So there's the course-alike on-ramp, the common content on-ramp, and the critical friend on-ramp. And can you address those three that help them get into a PLC structure? Absolutely. My co-author and I were frustrated because we were working with these small schools with these great singletons who who just weren't fitting the normal mold so we said okay what might make sense and the first on-ramp we have is the course alike on-ramp and that's when you have a virtual partner so one teacher in one school who's a, a let's say a third grade teacher singleton and another school in the district is another third grade teacher those singletons could be course alike because they teach the same course like two band teachers in two high schools and they meet that first on-ramp of we're teaching the same course. You know, virtual is the way that is done. And I think before COVID, you know, getting on a Zoom call seemed like Star Trek or something like that. But after COVID, you know, a Zoom call just isn't that big of a deal. So that's the first on-ramp. The second one is a common content where maybe we agree that there's something that we 
share in common, like like maybe a an art teacher shares that they want effective presentation skills, and a band teacher also wants effective presentation skills, and those two teachers could find some meaningful collaboration around presentation skills, or two teachers who want to make sure their kids have grit. We could both work through the four critical questions of learning around grit. You know, what do we want kids to know and be able to do? How we know they've learned it? What will we do if they don't learn it? And what will we do if they already know it? And that's the third on-ramp. The I'm sorry, that's the second on-ramp. The third on-ramp is the critical friend on-ramp. And that's kind of a, a new idea where we said, you know what, sometimes a singleton just can't find a meaningful collaborative team partner yet. Well, maybe they share a common prep period and they could be critical friends to one another as each one individually works through the four critical questions of learning. And I could say, hey, Jethro, how did you determine that to be an essential? Or how did you measure whether kids could learn that or not? And what's your plan for when kids don't learn? And having that critical friend could be the only thing you can find in common at this point. So those are the three on-ramps that we use in the book to kind of say, hey, look at these ways for you to move from being in isolation to some meaningful collaboration. Well, I like that brief overview. And you mentioned in the book that the critical friend is not really going to get us the results that we're looking for like the other ones do. Why is it that 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 does not produce the same type of results the critical friend doesn't. When two teachers give a common formative assessment, the purposes of that common formative assessment, one is to increase student achievement, but the other is to impact our practice. And nothing impacts a teacher's practice like a colleague that's getting better results on the same assessment in the same amount of time. And so without that, you're missing that element of Jethro, how did you get 62% of your kids to be able to add fractions with an unlike denominator? I tried my best and I can only get 28% of my kids. So it misses that element that's really critical in the powerful PLC process. And teachers have been collaborating for decades, long before any of these books came out saying this is how you do it. Teachers that you know, were friends with other teachers in college and then got their jobs in perhaps separate states and still communicated. That is just that much easier now because of technology and the ability to communicate quicker and easier across long distances. How how do those type of virtual groups or virtual PLCs that are led from the teacher's perspective rather than being assigned by the administrator, how do those work and impact what's going on? Well, it's really when a teacher gets focused or a teacher team gets focused on the four critical questions of learning that you can expect the real differences and the benefits to be had, not only for the teachers, but also for the kids. It's one thing to just collaborate about a variety of things like, hey, here's this project I did that I think worked well, or here's this activity I did that the kids seemed really engaged in. And that's, and those are important things to help us, but they're really probably not gonna move the needle much in terms of kids learning and in terms of teachers growing as professionals. But it's those four critical questions that DeFore and his colleagues came up with that are the focus of the collaboration. Because you can collaborate about a variety of things. You, you know, it takes at least coordination to have a, an effective assembly or a, a good cell phone policy on your campus. 
But when you're focusing on those four critical questions, that's where the growth happens for the kids and for the adults. So what do you say to those who have um, taken the idea of a PLC and made it mean whatever we want it to mean, where it's basically just instead of saying meeting, we say PLC, and it can be something like the cell phone policy or whatever else we may need to talk about in our schools and and how focused should we be on the four critical questions well there's only so much time for a team to meet together there's constraints in the master schedule for that and we could we could have a meeting about a variety of things and, and there are lots of things like the cell phone policy we should discuss but if we don't set aside some time for us to do the most important thing, and that is for all kids to learn everything that a team says is essential. If we don't set aside some time for that, and you know, I wouldn't call that PLC time, I'd call that collaborative team time with a focus on the four critical questions. If we don't set aside that time, I, th I think what we are is we're kind of majoring in the minors because the purpose of a school is for all kids to learn at high levels. And to get there, it's going to take the educators to be learning together. It's going to take a focus on what's essential versus what's nice to know. And to me, I think, you know, calling any gathering of adults in a school, a PLC is what's led to the, uh, I guess, like the, the thinking that a PLC is anything. And, and it dilutes it to a point where it, it can become meaningless. And even Dufour and his colleagues saw this as a risk when they labeled it a professional learning community, said the moment we give it a label, it'll take on a life of its own. But they wanted it just to be called what, what great teachers do. And great teachers do work on collaborative teams and great teachers do decide what they want kids to learn. And when kids don't learn it, they do something about it. So I think, you know, if they're not focused on the four critical questions, you're probably not doing the work as it was intended and you won't, you shouldn't expect to see the results. Yeah, that's really the key. If you are not doing the things that need to produce the results, then you're not going to see those results. And and this is where in my conversations with teachers and principals about PLCs specifically, it really comes back to what's the point, right? What's the point of getting your singletons to collaborate with another teacher if you're not focusing on those four things? And if if you're not focusing on those questions, then how will you know if that time is spent correctly? Before we move on, let's hear from our sponsors. One of the major struggles that I faced with Singletons is, um, is really getting them to want to collaborate around those topics with other colleagues. It's not that they don't want to or that they're resistant. One, they just haven't known how when we've tried to make something work within our school. Two, when they have that opportunity to collaborate with other peers in their same area in other schools, then the conversation quickly goes to how everything else is working at the school rather than those four critical questions. So how do you help them know why it's so important to collaborate as singletons and how to be focused during that time? Well, you bring up you you bring up so many great questions and points. You know, in my experience, I'm with you. In my experience with teams and with singletons, the real reason they struggle with with getting over the hump of collaboration is first they don't know why. 
why should we be in collaboration versus isolation? Why should we make a shift from trying to teach everything to ensuring the learning of the essentials? They don't know why. The other issue, they don't know how. And I think the how part is, is equally as legitimate. They don't know how to walk, walk through the four critical questions of learning. They don't have templates to guide them. They don't know who could be a meaningful collaborative partner. And I think if once we get the why, and we always have to be working on the why, you can't ignore the how, and you can't ignore that, that effective principals need to be alongside their teacher teams and their singletons to say, let's, let's look at making this meaningful. The third area of struggle that I find with teams is they don't have the time and support. They don't have either the time and the master schedule to do it. And when I say support, part of that is time, but the other part of support is some accountability. If there's no accountability in a school for ensuring the products that teams should be producing that are highly effective, like we should be producing what's an essential in this unit of study. We should be producing what's a way to formatively assess whether kids have learned it. We should be producing an action plan of what are we doing when, not if, the kids didn't learn this essential skill the first time it's taught. And we should be producing a product of what do we do with the kids who have already learned it? And if there's you know, no expectation of, of those things, that doesn't feel like much support. Cause I think you know, people in a school know what, a, what the principal or the district cares about by things that the principal says, I'm gonna be asking questions about, or I'm gonna fund, or I'm gonna give you time to do it or I'm gonna confront you if you didn't do it. And, and all those things make a teacher team know how they should spend their time. So I just think that all those things are kind of woven in with using time wisely, but we gotta focus on why are we doing this? Cause a lot of people are, are really wondering that. Yeah, and, and focusing that time on the why I do think is very important. Um, in, in my book, How to Be a Transformative Principal, one of the things I say is that support is not always what people think it is. A lot of times people think I feel supported when my supervisor basically agrees with what I say and lets me do what I want. Right. And it, I like what you said about support also means accountability. Because I, if you're not asking for follow-up, then you're not you're not going to see those things. People are not going to like run to you and say, look what I did. I completed this common formative assessment and here are my results. They might if they beat the other teacher, like you said, the competition's pretty powerful. But but the other thing is that I learned as a principal that I didn't do anything the district asked me to until they asked me a third time for it. And so many times early in my career, I would they would ask for something, I would spend hours doing it, and then I would give it to them and they would never follow up with, again about it, never give it back. And if I did ask, then they would say, oh yeah, we decided not to go down that path. And we realized that was too much work and decided not to do anything. But they never told me. And it was like, come on, you're killing me. So I realized that I only needed to do the things that they asked for multiple times because those were the only things that they were actually serious about. And that served me very well in my later career because I never had to waste time on things that they were just going to change their mind on. What a great point. And isn't that frustrating when you've seen waves of, of, you know, things come and go and, and each wave takes energy. And when it leaves it, you know, you have less energy. And, and I think after teachers have seen so many of these co things come through, 
they just say, you know what, this too shall pass. And yet if a principal says, you know, I'm expecting to see your common formative assessments, I'm expecting to see your action plan, you know, and that's been, that's stuck around for a long time. Teachers begin to say, you know, this must be really what matters. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, it's one of the things in our book that I'm so proud of is our, is chapter three. And it's, and it's almost like a hidden little chapter. It's called preparation for meaningful collaboration. I'm so glad you went there. Cause that's where I was going to go next. This okay. is perfect. <laughs> Good. Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, it's it. Let's just say you have a singleton who's sitting there going, you know what? I got, I got four or five different preps. I'm the, I'm the marching band teacher after school and I'm, I'm the SBA advisor and, and they are busy people. Chapter three in our book talks about you could prepare to be a meaningful collaborative partner and use one of these on-ramps in the future by just saying, you know what, do I have clarity in my own classes on what kids have to learn? Do I have clarity in my own classes on a, on a way to assess whether kids have learned that essential skill? And do I have a plan for when kids don't learn it, what I'm going to do with them? And do I, do I have a way to make those few essentials crystal clear? And I just think oftentimes we think a singleton has to be this, this great thing overnight, or we're going to force meaningful collaboration. In fact, the original working title of our book was a square peg in a round hole. And that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. And we thought that would be a great title, but I really like the title that was ultimately selected, which is just singletons. But this feeling that these square pegs, a principal or a district has to jam these singletons into a structure that doesn't really fit or feel right can feel like a waste of time. And those are the two premises of our book. One is isolation is the enemy of improvement. So people need to have some influence of someone else. And the other premise is nobody has time to waste. So let's not have a singleton in some meeting where you put, you know, a random group of people who really don't share anything together and said, go collaborate. This is good for you. That's not going to cut it. And and without supports, without, help without expectations. Um, so you also talk in chapter three about the real criteria, which is readiness, endurance, assessed, and leverage. Can you talk about those briefly? Yeah. The, the real criteria uh, came, came together by Tom Manny and some of his associates in an article that I thought was fabulous. But what it does is if you're trying to pick something essential, that's worthy of all kids learning, not just being taught. And you're, and you're trying to, to maybe collaborate about something. Let's collaborate on, a, on, a, on something that's really important. And that's the real criteria. So R is readiness. That's what's the question is, what's needed for the next level of learning? So if I'm a, a third grade teacher trying to come up with an essential skill, I'd want to say, well, what might these kids need to be successful in fourth grade? That should influence what I pick as an essential skill. E is enduring. I call it the 51-year-old test. I'm 51. And I say, you know, would this be needed, this thing this kindergarten teacher is thinking of as an essential? Would it be needed when the child is 51, like the ability to recognize letters? Yes, I still need that as a 51-year-old. <laughs> the, the A criteria is what's assessed. And I say, you know, would any kid anywhere see this on a set on an assessment? 
Would a high school kid seat on the ASVAB test to get into the military? Would a kid seat on the ACT test? Would a, you know, would it be assessed anywhere? Because some things are at such a DOK level one that nobody's ever going to assess you on it. Mm-hmm. So that's a, a filter. And the L is leverageable. You know, like, for instance, let's say you have a singleton uh, U.S. history teacher in a smaller school, and they're thinking about maybe an essential skill being the ability to interpret a, a graph or a chart. Well, if a kid's good at interpreting a graph or a chart, could they also leverage that skill in the science? And the answer is, yeah. And could that be helpful in, in mathematics? Absolutely. You know, reading is the ultimate leverageable exactly. skill, but there are many others like number sense. I mean, number sense is extremely helpful in mathematics, but also in science. And, and I, so the real criteria is really a way for a teacher who's prepping for meaningful collaboration, like a singleton or a team to say, you know what, this is worthy of us taking the time, that precious amount of time to collaborate and use it on the kids learning this. Cause you know, we gotta say, we love these kids too much for them not to have learned these essential things. And that's a, and let's collaborate about that. Yeah. And what the real criteria did for me is it helped me see that a singleton can use that real criteria to prepare for whichever on-ramp they, that we talked about previously that they tend to go down. And so what I like about that is that it says it doesn't, it doesn't make what I'm teaching less relevant to other courses. It makes what I'm teaching more relevant to other courses and it makes it more meaningful so that I can see as the teacher, Hey, you know what? There really is something useful about marching in a straight line in band class. Um, because it teaches me things that could be applied ever in other places as well. Things like the importance of order and beauty and aesthetics, all those things can be applied in other places. And that's what I was thinking about as I was reading this, because I was trying to think like a singleton, like if I'm a band teacher, how can I make the things that are important to me be valuable in other places as well? And that, that was a real breakthrough. Um, so Brig, this has been an awesome conversation. I appreciate you so much. If people want to learn more about the book at Singletons and a PLC at work, navigating on ramps to meaningful collaboration, great book definitely suggest you go out and get it and then also people can connect with you um at briglane.com that's brig b-r-i-g-l-e-a-n-e.com and also on twitter at briglane as well so thank you so much for being here any parting words before we sign off brig well i just want to acknowledge the hard work that principals and teachers are doing and i'm so thankful for those dedicated servants to our nation who are out there sticking with a very challenging challenging profession. And I think there's never been a time when we've needed each other more. And yet no one has time to waste on, on collaboration that's not meaningful. So I think we gotta have ways that we can spend the, t- the, the limited precious time we have together in meaningful ways and that that time need some structure, need some focus. And with the singletons on your campus, they shouldn't be an afterthought. They're very critical parts to our 
a, a well-functioning school. In fact, some kids, the, the classes they go to for the singletons, the only class holding some kids in school. Mm-hmm. And so we want those incredible professionals in the building to also have meaningful collaboration that will help them grow as professionals and will help ensure their kids learn more with each passing year. So I'm thankful to have provided a resource. I feel like our book, we stand on the shoulders of giants who have gone before us and have influenced us. And and we're trying to just move the ball down the field a little bit further and and, uh, help give clarity to principals who are trying to help these great teachers and to teachers who are looking to not spin their wheels. Yeah. Very good. Well, thank you, Brig. I appreciate having you on. It's been great to get to know you better and share your information with our listeners. Thank you so much for being here. It's been a pleasure of mine. Thank you for what you do for educators, Jethro. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.